Welcome to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. In today's episode, an interview with team MVPs Kim Janola. If you don't know Kim's name, she had an incredible season last year, winning three majors and an A-tier in the Women's Advanced Masters Division. We'll also talk about playing in your first tournament and do a quick recap of FPO action from the first big two tournaments of the season. All right, time to talk ladies disc golf. Hey everyone, this is Becca Kephart. Thank you so much for joining us for our first podcast. With me today are local Kansas City golfers and wonderful human beings, Elizabeth Borg Bowman, or you can call her Liz or LBB, and Crispy and Paul. I thought a good place for us to begin would be by each of us sharing how we came to disc golf and a little bit about our disc golf journey. So Liz, would you like to get us started? All right. Um, just want to say hi to all of the fans of Ladies Disc Golf out there because there needs to be, I think, a little more attention paid. So cheers to you, Becca, for doing this. Um, I first started throwing discs when I was in college. I started playing Ultimate because I'd get out of class and the guy that I was crushing on, my roommate, <laughs> they were all out throwing discs. So, god darn it, I had to cut my nails and go out and learn how to throw frisbees. And really, that changed everything for me. It yeah. turned into a social center and it made me found out I could run fast. And then when I moved to Kansas City, that's how I met people. And one night we all went out drinking and they said, hey, we're going to go play disc golf in the morning. And turns out if you're hungover, it's a whole lot easier to go walk in the park than go run five <laughs> miles around a field. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. And I suddenly for the first time understood why people play ball golf. Yeah. And that was just I I didn't continue doing it at that time because I was a lot more serious about Ultimate. Got to play with some good teams. I went to the first uh, co-ed nationals that they had, which was awesome. And then um, life happens. And fast forward, uh, I don't know, another 10 years. And they added disc golf to Kansas City Corporate Challenge which is a two-month-long corporate Olympics that happens in Kansas City. And I'd been very involved in a lot more athletic things, but I was always really bad at the things that required skills. <laughs> I had no hand-eye coordination <laughs> skills. And then they added disc golf, and I was so excited because, oh, my gosh, I could actually do that. And um, uh, that's how I became friends with Matt Fox and he took me out and became my first disc golf mentor. And we practiced. And I, my partner and I, I think we won a, a tune-up competition. And I was so excited to win a gold medal, or at least win a medal in disc golf. And then the Tuesday before the competition, I got laid off from my job. And I was heartbroken. <laughs> but I, I still kept on playing for fun. And... In 2011, I had an accident, mm. went to Maryland for my aunt's funeral, and the night before, my cousin and I fell off the balcony at her farmhouse, oh, fractured some vertebrae, and the next day I had cervical spinal fusion surgery, and I was just laid flat. I mm. was like a turtle flipped over on its back. I couldn't do anything for myself, <laughs> and was dependent on people to drive me around, take me to medical appointments, and it was feeling pretty hopeless there for a while, but I started doing physical therapy, and uh, some friends were going to play disc golf and said, hey, do you want to come out and go with us? And just to walk, and it felt so good to do something besides do physical therapy in an office, even if I couldn't do all the throws and stuff. But then I got my little 127 leopard and started just throwing forehands because I knew how to throw forehands yeah. from playing ultimate. And I have no idea how many throws it took me, but I was going out and doing that a few times a week. And I'm pretty sure that it saved my life because if I hadn't 
been doing that, I probably would have just been lying in my bed, watching TV, feeling depressed and hopeless. Mm -hmm. And by continuing to play, that's how I eventually met. I met you. I met Crispian. I met so many other people. And I just feel like my life is incredibly different than it would have been otherwise. So that's awesome. <clears throat> that's awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point, quick shout out to Eagle McMahon winning the Vegas challenge and just crushing it so far this year. It's super cool. And I don't know if you guys know his story or saw um, the article he did on uh, with uh, Steve Hill on PDGA.com, but uh, Steve was talking to his dad and Eagle's mom passed away when he was nine and uh, he and his dad started playing disc golf right about that time and it gave him a way to connect and I mean Eagle's dad said it saved their lives Aww. you know and it's it's a really cool sport that we're involved in so all right Crispian how about you? Um, my kind of first experience with disc golf was actually back in 1998 give or take when wow. I was a sophomore at the University of Kansas, and I was dating a guy. Um, he's kind of a hippie type. Hi, Troy Carlin, if you're out there listening. <laughs> we, Lawrence is a hippie town, you know, so lots of college kids go out and play disc golf. Yeah. Um, so I played a few times and then just kind of didn't do much. Um, went through school at KU, went through grad school. Um, really started putting on a lot of weight, to be honest. And um, anyways, you know, I had been an athlete when I was younger and, and just didn't do anything physical. And then... My husband, uh, Matt Jenkins, and I, um, he's a friend of mine from high school, um, <clears throat> got together in 2008, and um, he was playing all the time. He'd been playing consistently since about 1998, 1999. He has a pretty old PDGA number for someone our age, and um, he was playing all the time, and I encouraged him to do it. Um, he moved up to the Kansas City area to be with me, um, and I wasn't really going out with him, and then it kind of started here and there. I would go out just to try and get a little activity. And then um, around 2014, I went kind of on a, a journey. Well, it started around 2012. I kind of went on a journey where I lost about 60 pounds and um, was doing just a lot more physical stuff. And really at that point, around 2012, started playing a lot more with my husband. And then um, it just got to be where he was playing leagues and I would just mainly be playing with him or our, our male friends. And I didn't know any women who played at the time. We would see girls out on the course, you know, and I would always like wave at him like, hey, you know. Um, and then one time I was at uh, Prairie Center one day. I just went to Prairie Center on a Saturday or Sunday by myself. And my husband works weekends usually. And he um, called me and he said, hey, uh, what are you doing? And I said, I'm at Prairie Center. And he said, with who? And I said, with myself. And he said that that's when he knew that I had really kind of gotten gotten the disc golf bug that I was actually going out by myself. And I know Liz kind of mentioned, oddly enough, Liz and I have some, some parallel sort of journeys. For me in 2013, I took a fall at my niece's third birthday party and um, crunched my neck and head up kind of between the deck and the house. Mm. And was initially diagnosed with a concussion, but my husband said my head and neck were basically bent at about a 90 degree angle mm -hmm. and um, dealt with some chronic neck pain for um, about a year, year and a half. My doctor had encouraged me to get an MRI um, because the neck pain continued to get worse. And then um, I started losing feeling and, and still really don't have complete feeling in my right hand. Unfortunately, it's my dominant hand. Um, so sometimes my pinky finger, my ring finger don't always like to let go of discs when they're supposed to. <laughs> Um, I take medication to help with that a little bit, but um, I finally had the MRI and it turned out that I had a completely herniated disc and had um, a lot of bone spurring in there and a lot of injuries that were actually causing um, what they call almost complete spinal cord compression. And um, when I saw the spinal surgeon, they were kind of surprised that I was still up walking around, let alone playing disc golf, lifting weights, running, <laughs> doing all of this stuff, doing Zumba, whatever. So I had a spinal fusion surgery um, in 2015, um, much like Liz. And um, I started playing. I was actually able to play disc golf about seven or eight weeks after surgery. Um, I was able to start going to the gym a little bit sooner. But um, it, took a, it took a while for my game to... Really, and, and LBB knows because she saw me go through it. It took a while for me to get back to where I was before 
Um, and I kind of had to go back to the basics of let me throw lighter, even lighter discs. I was throwing a beast and I stopped throwing. Like, <laughs> okay, I can't throw a beast anymore. It's too fast. Um, so I really dropped down to like eight speed discs, really light discs and kind of came back. Um, and then unfortunately about six months after my neck surgery, I started having hip pain. So 11 weeks ago, I just had a hip uh, surgery as well. Um, arthroscopy on my hip. Um, I have a now a screw and an anchor in my left hip. I got four screws in my neck and a bracket in there. So I'm like, I'm adding up the metal in my body at this point. Um, I'll probably have the right hip done towards the end of the year. So I'm not playing currently. I haven't been able to play. The last day I played was, um, well, really played was like the beginning of Jan or beginning of December. And hopefully at the end of April, I'll be cleared to play for our Ooh. women's global event. So I get to play with no practice time, but I don't Woo-hoo. care. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm just excited. I've gone out a couple times and thrown putters, but my doctor doesn't really yeah. want me doing that. So yeah. I'm not going to do it anymore. But I, d- I broke the rules and did it a couple times. And it's funny because I can throw a putter 200 feet dead straight. Nice. So I'm like, maybe I need to practice that more. <laughs> right? That's awesome. And I think that's so inspiring. Um, one, because like the thought of having an injury scares me, you know, and not being able to play. So to have you guys gone through it, gotten to the other side is really, really fantastic. And I think it also speaks a lot to the sport of disc golf because disc golf is about resilience. Um, really, no matter what level you're playing at, there's there's going to be bad throws, there's going to be difficult weather, there's going to be long courses, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I know for myself personally, I've drawn on that um, resilience that I've experienced playing difficult rounds uh, outside of disc golf, for sure, too. So I uh, moved to Fort Collins, Colorado with my husband when we first got married 14 years ago. And we lived just about a mile from the Edora disc golf course. And it's crazy because I do not remember how I found out about disc golf. Like, I assume somebody told me or I drove by and saw the metal baskets. I do not know. I don't remember buying my first discs. They're over there on the wall. But um, I somehow acquired them. And for about the first uh, year of our marriage, I just loved playing and I would always ask um, my husband Brian to go out with me and he's still really good about going out with me. He likes disc golf. He's not nearly as obsessed with it as I am. Um, But then after that first year, life just kind of happened and I pretty much fully walked away uh, from the sport because I had other things going on. And then we uh, moved to Kansas City about seven years ago. And um, in August of 2016, my dad came to visit, um, and I had driven by Rosedale. I'd seen the baskets, and my dad and I uh, grew up playing sports with him, and um, he we had a day off together and just nothing to do. So I was like, hey, let's go play some disc golf. It's been like 10 years. Why not? You know, it's something we can do. It's free. I have some discs around. And I had this tiny disc golf bag I had gotten for my birthday that year I was playing. And all my discs were totally moldy. I had like a visor in there that was totally moldy. It was (laughs) disgusting. Um, So I got the discs out, got some bleach water, cleaned them off, um, went and played 10 holes at Rosedale with my dad, fell totally back in love with the sport. My dad and I had like an epic game of horse at the practice basket. And I was incredibly fortunate to be in Kansas City at that time in 2016 because I came home, did a Facebook search, and immediately found the Kansas City Disc Golf Divas, which was awesome. So I was like, hey, there's a league coming up in October at a time I can actually make. Um, And yeah, absolutely, if it wasn't for uh, the Kansas City Disc Golf Divas, you guys, Rhonda, um, I wouldn't be sitting here talking about disc golf. Uh, it also hit me, I think, at a really good time because in 2016, I was paying super close attention to politics, maybe too close of attention. And as it turns out, thinking about disc golf is way more fun than thinking about other things. Um, so I really just kind of dove headfirst in the, uh, into the sport, just consuming all of the disc golf media I could um, and watching lots and lots of things, getting involved in tournaments and things like that um, that we'll talk more about here in a minute. All right, so now we come to the segment that we'll usually start the show with that I'm calling What You've Been Discin', (laughs) where we each share one thing disc golf related we've been up to or are excited about. So I'll get us started this time. I am super excited for tournament season. 
Um, so last year I played in my first tournament, which again, we'll talk about here in just a minute. And man, I played competitive sports much like you, Crispian, in, you know, high school when I was growing up and it, I missed it so much and it definitely kind of filled a hole in my life of something that I thought, you know, I was too old for that was gone forever. Um, but I were, I have worked on Saturdays for forever, um, as a music teacher and I just couldn't play tournaments. So I kind of reworked my life and my schedule to have Saturdays off in September. I got two tournaments in and the season was over. So I am very excited that tournament season is back. Uh, I played my first tournament yesterday with Liz and I am very tired and lots of things hurt, but it was totally <laughs> worth it. And like the thing that is just so addictive about disc golf to me is I had some really terrible holes yesterday and I had some really good holes. That's and right. there are enough good holes that I just cannot wait to get back out there um, in the tournament format when it's competitive, when it counts, and to do it again. So that is what I'm excited about right now. Crispian, I know it's a little bit different for you. What are you excited about right now? Well, I'm chuckling because you said what you just said about the tournament. I always think about there can be eight or 17 terrible holes, but yep. let you get close <laughs> to an ace run or a field ace. <laughs> And then you're like, okay, like, I don't quit this game <laughs> right. now. Um, I, um, I mean, obviously, I mean, the main thing for me is I'm just excited to be able to play again. Absolutely. And tournaments aren't as important to me this year and, and really weren't last year either because I was working, I mean, I was working with a lot of limitations. Liz yeah. knows we were at Amateur Worlds together and Liz mm. knows that there were days that I was broken down in tears because sure. of the amount of pain I was in. Sure. And I'm still in pain and, and I'm hoping that it gets better. So, yeah. I mean, I'm just happy to be able to play, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, I mean, tournaments would be great. That's kind of icing on the cake. So yep. just being able to play. I mean, and right before, it's so crazy. I mean, I have, I kept snapping photos of these drives yep. because the last several rounds that I played before my surgery, yep. I was getting drives above 300 oh, yeah. regularly. And oh, I'm like, yeah. where the hell was this? <laughs> you know, like something has, has, I think changed a little bit with my form. Yeah. Um, and um, even my husband, who is a pretty critical I mean, he's a pretty critical disc golfer, has said. He's like, yeah, babe, I mean, you have so much more power. And so yeah. um, I'm looking forward to getting, you know, to be able to do that. I mean, it's pretty nice when you've never parked. I mean, I can think of two holes in particular <laughs> that I had never, ever in my life parked that I parked right before my oh, surgery yeah. that I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you know, they're 315-foot holes, and yeah. now I know what I can do. So I'm just excited to get back out there and put some discs in the air. Absolutely. What about you, Liz? One cool thing um, this year, we are um, helping um, a friend um, who is in nursing school. Her daughter plays disc golf and her mom doesn't have time to get her to all the tournaments. And so we're going to go and be there with her at the Glassblown Open Juniors. And we're hopefully going to be there with her for the Junior World Championships in Emporia. So those are the kinds of things I'm excited to be able to help with something like that, sponsoring um, a younger player and just providing encouragement. It means everything to me. Probably the highlight of my disc golf season last year was in our Divas tournament. I, on kind of a tough hole, I threw uh, the perfect drive that landed on the island of hole 15. Yep. It was that kind of peninsula thing. Yep. I parked it and went down, made my birdie, and the little the juniors girls were waiting to throw that from there, and they all came running over and, and mobbed me and hugged me because they were so excited That's for awesome. me that I did that. And like, okay, that's all right. Then no, I didn't. I didn't win, but that was just the biggest win for me. That's fantastic. All right, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, our topic of the week: the fourth annual KC Diva Spring Fever is coming up on May twelfth. This tournament has become one of the most anticipated and well-attended female-only disc golf events of the year. For twenty eighteen, it is also a part of the PDGA Women's Global Event. These women-only tournaments will be run simultaneously around the world to virtually create the largest women's tournament on the planet. In addition to the competitors, there will be countless volunteers and spectators at the event that will be exposed to your business and brand. If you are interested in sponsoring or supporting this very special tournament, please visit kcdiscgolfdivas.com. Welcome back to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. 
This year is a women's global event year, and we'll talk more about the WGE in coming weeks, but this week we're going to be discussing playing in your first tournament. This year will be a great opportunity for you to play in your first tournament if you haven't. The WGE takes place on May 12th, and you can check pdga.com to see all of the women's only tournaments happening that day. They're happening all over the world, and there's a lot of them. So Crispian, what was your first tournament experience like? Um, so my first tournament was, um, August, 2014, nice. the, uh, I think it was the first Midwest amateur championship. The second. It was the second. Okay. Yeah. Scott Rico always corrects me on that. Um, <laughs> so I, I looked over, that's why I looked over at LBB because I'm like, I know she'll know. Um, so my, that was my first tournament experience. So it was 2014 Midwest amateur championship. And, um, I, it was funny. So, you know, I, I mentioned being an athlete. I was an athlete through like middle school and then like into my first year of high school, I tried to, and then I was in a, a college prep program that just kind of precluded me being right. able to do a lot of sports. But, um, I, you know, then of course got back into working out, like I said. So my husband knew I was a super competitive person and he knew that I was like getting good and, you know, get to him getting good. And he was like, you know, Hey, there's this women's league. You should really, really go. And I went to, I don't even think it was the actual women's night out. I think it was like women's night at the, at the waterworks league and ended up, no, 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 it was Rosedale. Now that I think about it. And I ended up playing with Rhonda Crosby, who's the mama diva and Yanina Langer. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just the three of us. And we ended up playing and the three of us hit it off and Yaya and I were both involved in social work and um, they made me feel so welcome. And I ended up spending like this two and a half hour round just having a good time talking to them, getting to know them. And at that point, Rhonda was trying to sort of recruit people to play in, um, in um, the MAC, the Midwest Amateur Championship. And she said, you know, you should really consider signing up. And hey, by the way, they're giving out free shoes as part of your players pack. And I'm like, sweet. <laughs> and so, and plus they were only men's sizing and thank God I have big feet because I was one of the few women that actually did get a pair of shoes that fit me. A lot of the women ended up getting shoes that didn't fit them. Nope. Um, seriously, because the smallest size is seven and a half, which is a nine and a half in women. So woohoo for having big feet. Um, <laughs> And so that all kind of, you know, coincided together. And then I also remember having seen Liz's name on Facebook and going to Waterworks and I think running up yep. to you and being like, are you Elizabeth? And her kind of <laughs> looking at me like, yeah, who the hell are you? And so, you know, I kind of got into those couple of leagues and then Rhonda was the one who convinced me to sign up for the tournament. And I went home and talked to my husband about it. And he was like, yeah, maybe you should totally do it, you know. So it was funny because me getting into tournaments, he had been playing leagues, actually got him into playing more tournaments. Um, and so, yeah, it was really, really cool. It was such a great experience. I won my first tournament. Nice. I won. I remember going back to work and being like, oh, my gosh, I won my very first tournament. Everything's going to be awesome. I did the and, same and, thing. And, and, and so, and obviously, LBB will tell you her story, too, but it's funny because um, – we were in separate divisions and we both won our division and then um, we played another tournament together and I beat her in a playoff and then it's been downhill for me ever since and I have never beat Liz <laughs> in any round that I can recall since then. I feel like but, you did at least one. Well, and I'm just, and I'm kind of teasing because this is one of the great things about our relationship is, is because her and I are skill levels have been, you know, about the same kind of, yeah, exactly. Is that it's kind of, it's pushed me a lot. Um, and I, I feel like the same probably for LBB, but anyway, so I, I, I just remember like being on such a high and I mean, I have video of that and pictures <laughs> of that and me like with the biggest, cheesiest grant and holding my mini basket, my very first tournament ever, you know, it was amazing. So that was my first experience. That's Not everybody awesome. gets to win their first tournament. But <laughs> I know, right? And we booked it. High five. I did not win my first tournament, but that's okay. So I think I probably had gone to Divas League two or three times and I ended up on the same card with Rhonda Crosby. And of course she invited me and mentioned that the Diva Spring Fever was coming up in May. This was probably in like November, December. And the first time, you know, she invited me, I was like, cool. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. There's no way. Um, I wasn't sure that I wanted to play tournament golf. I was not sure that my body could handle two rounds in one day. And I work Saturdays and I would have to take a Saturday off. And there was all these excuses and things like that. So, you know, to be totally honest, I probably had to be asked directly or indirectly four or five times before I finally decided, okay, 
I'm going to at least play one tournament this year. And everybody tells me if I only play one tournament, it should be the Diva Spring Viva. So I'm going to go for it. Um, and so I signed up. I was super excited, super nervous. Didn't really sleep a lot the night before. Woke up too early, got to the course. I was too self-conscious to uh, warm up. I didn't really know what to do. So I sat on a cold rock by myself for about 45 minutes and Aww. felt super awkward. It's all right. It's all right. Because like, I didn't really know a lot of people at that point. Like I knew one or two people. Um, and, you know, it just like, again, with all new things, all of your first often tend to be a little bit awkward. Um, but then we got playing. And I was just so excited to be around disc golf people that liked to talk disc golf like I did. And um, I definitely played far worse than I had played the course the week before. I was pretty <laughs> shocked. Hashtag <laughs> right? tournament play. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, I crushed this last week. I did not know I still could score that high. Um, and so that was a little rough. But, you know, I absolutely made friends with the women on, on my card. Um, both rounds and definitely people that I still uh, talk to and play with. So it was a really, really positive experience. I did not take care of my body as well as I should have. I had sunscreen. I wore it. Um, I did not bring enough water. I had a really small bag at the time. I learned a lot about how to <laughs> play a tournament in a way to take care of myself. I went out and got a portable stool after that um, and just kind of learned a lot about just dealing with playing in a tournament um, from that perspective, but I loved it. It completely got me hooked. Um, and like I mentioned before, now I'm just all in, can't wait to play more tournaments. Uh, so yeah. So Liz, what was your first tournament experience like? <laughs> so I think the the one that Crispian and I share um, was the Midwest Amateur Championships. And I think the... Um, it was kind of the preparation for that one that made it um, transformative um, because not having played in a real tournament before, we, um, Kruger and I, MK, my fiance, um, he kind of, he, got acquainted with Scott Reek and we went out and he found out which weeks the course layouts were going to be in play at the, the course league. So mm. went out and, oh my God, it was so much harder. Yeah. The holes were so much longer and going and playing waterworks and it's what? <laughs> and once we started doing that, um, I had convinced Anna and Mel um, Mel was kind of a beer drinking friend who also played. She was one of the people who saved my life. Got to give her credit for that. And she had been coming out to Divas League and made friends with Anna. And they were going to go play yoga on Sunday morning of the MAC weekend. But I convinced them that maybe they should be playing disc golf instead. <laughs> Because Scott said he would add a recreational women's division if we could get three of us to play. So we did that because... I actually had played in an unsanctioned tournament years and years before, and I had a terrible time. I was playing with a couple women who I think were open level, mm. and they like they had their stools, and every time it was like my turn to throw, one of them would just sit down on her stool and look really annoyed because it took me so many throws to catch up with where she was. So I, I don't prefer to think of that as my first tournament experience because I really had no idea about sure. competitive disc golf at yeah. that point. But this one, just we, as soon as I realized how hard it was, like, um, Anna, Mel, you should come out and play Waterworks and see what it's going to be like because this is harder than anything we've ever done. But because it was harder than anything we'd ever done. I think Anna and Mel and I really bonded over just learning how to experience that. And yeah. it was the second day was rainy and awful. And oh yeah, we were playing waterworks. Water water in in the the oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the day, the, I mean, the day before at Rosedale, like 
Mel got super trooper points because there was an island hole oh, boy, at yeah. Rosedale, and you know I think yep. she took a twenty-one. Sure, because she could like she couldn't Rough. get it on the island for so long, and people Rough. heard about that and gave her high fives because yep. yeah. she didn't. She most people would have just stomped off, but no, she's she kept on, and um, so the next day it's all rainy and. Um, Mel has um, rheumatoid arthritis. And so dealing with those hills is challenging enough in normal conditions. And here it's all sloppy and muddy. And fortunately, about halfway through the round, MK showed up um, having finished his round down at Rosedale and he was going to caddy for me. And I was like, no, like, hey, help Mel. Like take you so he he got her bag and just it and that helped the group as a whole. It helped us all get yeah. through it and we survived and I was just yeah we were all just so happy to survive that round. Um, anyhow, but that was a very special day. I have a lot of pictures as well, and I went on to my Grinnell College alumni Facebook group and posted pictures of myself with my mini basket trophy disc and like I played my first disc golf tournament ever and I won the recreational women's division (laughs) and I still have the sticker on my bumper and and I, I, I was very proud of that and subsequent tournaments I played I did not do so well I yes I definitely had a lot of humility to to learn about so so what other advice would you give to somebody playing in their first tournament it's obviously can be a little overwhelming there's um, a lot to think about so maybe just some bullet points of what is maybe most important going into your first tournament um so I'm a I'm a big proponent of mindfulness. I mean that's a great hippie to be termed, but um, in the last you know year or so I've been practicing meditation. And, yeah. Um, and um, there's you know Zen and the Art of Disc Golf. They talk about yep. this too, but it's the idea of taking each shot as it comes. And the other thing that's really been important to me, and and because I can become so competitive, and I think Liz can attest to this, that my level of anxiety during tournaments Mm -hmm. isn't nearly as high as it used to be or I don't seem nearly as on edge and it's because I I mean and I even used to do the last several tournaments that I played I would write it on my arm in sharpie you versus you this idea that yeah I'm not playing against anybody else I'm playing against myself and if I start thinking about what other people are doing then I tend to not do as well sure um so I kind of really like the idea that you are playing versus yourself you are playing versus the course and you mentioned the importance of having a good warm-up routine yeah and the importance of having your bag properly stocked I would say those are two really big things make sure that you have checked the weather know what you need um put your phone in a bag put your scorebook in a bag make sure you have plastic bags with you all that stuff just to be prepared for the weather um you know in a warm-up routine and then you have to have your warm-up routine to a point where it's short and you know you can repeat it again so for me it's you know I just I'm gonna throw just four or five you know drives in either direction make sure I've got the wind kind of down and then I'm gonna just putt and then I'm gonna for me I sit and meditate or I sit and relax I do something like that um so I think that's another big thing and then the last thing I would say is stick to what you know don't start breaking out new discs and tournaments that is (laughs) the dumbest thing you could do no offense sorry if anybody does it on me like that um but it's just Listen, unless you get a new tournament disc and you throw it a couple times and you're like, this is the awesomest disc, don't start throwing new discs in tournaments. <laughs> Just wait yeah. until you're not at a tournament to try a new disc. And I think going with that, there's this idea of managing expectations. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say to go in with low expectations because that's kind of lame. I think the idea is to go in with accurate expectations of your level and understanding that tournament play is different Mm -hmm. than casual play Mm -hmm. um that having you know extra strokes is perfectly normal being really really nervous or scared is perfectly normal and trying you know again to your point of just taking each shot as it comes you know something I always tell um my students and it comes from how I approach disc golf too is to try to approach on the things that you do well and build on that Mm -hmm. so if you have you know even one good throw try to focus on that try to think about that more than you're thinking about when you threw your disc in the water or whatever else and you know it's disc golf. Try to enjoy everything just mm-hmm. as much as you can. That will always be your first tournament. You know, that experience will be what it will be. 
Um, and much better to try and enjoy it as much as you can than to get a little too hung up on, you know, the specifics of the score and everything else. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Liz? I would agree with everything you both just said. Um, also, um, plenty of towels. Always yes. have lots of towels. Yep. yep. Um, and four more towels. Than <laughs> That's, That's what right. I <laughs> and like she said, in baggies. Yeah. Um, and extra socks if it's raining yes. bring extra oh, yes. socks yep. you will love yourself for extra it socks and extra shoes yep. Yep. In a vest. whole extra outfit if you need it i swear to god in, and in watch for the coupons for the 50 percent off the adidas terex or the waterproof keens because yep. they will save you and yep. just have your pair to change into between rounds and you'll be so much happier um and I think last year taught me a lot about what not to do because I think it's how I just kind of worked myself into a bad season um, was sticking to what you know. It really yeah. is just do what you know you can do. Yeah. All right. We'll take another short break. And when we come back, my interview with team MVPs, Kim Janola. All right. Okay. I'm here with Kim Janola, your 2017 Women's Advanced Masters World Champion. She also won that division last year at the GBO, Tim Solinsky, and USW DGC. Welcome, Kim. Thank you for sitting down and talking with me. Thank you. So uh, what brought you to disc golf and how long have you been playing? Well, what brought me to disc golf? That would be my spouse. Uh, she came home one day and said, did you know you have a disc golf course right across the street? I'm like, well, there wasn't there at the college when I went to school, so no, I didn't. And from there, it was a matter of she really wanted to play. Um, I would been playing tennis most of the time, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to give up my tennis to play disc golf. But she went out and played. She kept playing. That led me to get some discs that played against sports so I could go out with her every now and then. Almost three years later, now it's an obsession as opposed to just something I was doing to hang out with her, so... Cool. So like, at what point did it get serious for you? That would have been the 2016 glass blown open. I, um, most of my disc golf friends know this story already. Like, uh, Liz and MK would probably tired of the fact that I tell it all the time, but, uh, the two of us, Nova and myself, and then Liz and MK went out to play the, uh, inaugural round at Olpe, the Eagle course at Olpe Lake. And it was cold and it was windy and I was an amateur player in the extreme, I mean, really a novice, and the wind buffeted my discs. I emptied my bag trying to hit one of the island holes. I had some obscene hundred and something score trying to get through this course, and I'm, I was ready to walk away. I was done, and everyone convinced me, you know, just hang out long enough to play the glass blown open and see what happens. And it was such a great experience that tournament, the way it. Everyone uh, loved the sport, the way Emporia embraced the city. And I was kind of like, wow, if this is really what it's like when people are enjoying it, then I want to be part of this. So it was that event. So what advice would you give to someone in their first year of playing? Like, what do you wish that someone would have told you in your first year? It really depends on what you want out of the sport. Sure. Um, If you were just playing casually, you know, you need to find out what makes it fun for you and stick to that. So if you just like going out and throwing with your friends and being very casual about it, you need to make certain people don't try to make you competitive. Yeah, I like that. Um, because if you don't want to be competitive, you're not going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you do want to be competitive and you're looking at this as a means of um, an athletic endeavor beyond just fun with friends or occasionally getting to the park to stay in shape, you need to commit to learning how to throw early on. And if I could go back in time, I would really start with technique at a much earlier time. And uh, there were offers, you know, Nova definitely said, I can tell you what you're doing wrong. I can tell you what you're doing wrong, but I was bound and determined to figure it out for myself. And if I had had a more open mind and listened, I probably would have taken to the sport a lot quicker than I did. I should have accepted the help when it was offered. I should have paid attention to the videos on YouTube that would have allowed me to really understand the technique, especially on uh, X-steps and, you know, getting drives 
distance off the tee, I would have flourished a little bit more than I did. And I wish I could go back and, and do that. But really, I, I really want to emphasize the, if you don't want to be competitive, yeah, don't absolutely. make people talk you into being competitive because if your joy comes with being your friend with your friends and throwing discs, then you need to, you need to nourish that as opposed to kill it with competition. Absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, so kind of skipping forward, there's a question I've actually wanted to ask you for a while. So I was paying attention to the scoring, uh, at AM Worlds last year. And last year was kind of my first year of really paying attention to what was going on in disc golf and getting really excited about it. And it's kind of weird to talk about right now because it's super cold outside. But I remember just uh, you and everybody else that went out there like thinking about just it was really, really, really hot, really, really humid and six rounds. And I was trying to like picture myself doing that. It sounded like such a grind. Uh, So what did you do to prepare for that particular tournament, uh, both for the elements and playing that many rounds in a week competitively? Well, I don't know if I had a lot of prep for the elements or for playing that many rounds competitively. My my prep really was making certain I played tightly wooded courses for technical shots because okay, there sure, were a right. few courses there that really demanded accuracy off the tee or you had to make certain you maneuvered your discs through the trees for the purposes of surviving the elements. Number one, don't eat a heavy breakfast, don't eat a heavy lunch, especially if you have a two-round day. You need to have enough in there to nourish you, but not enough to bog you down. Uh, Secondly, and this was, I can't give enough praise to the tournament coordinators enough and the course coordinators. There was water stationed everywhere. It was like every three holes, there was tubs of water uh, that you could take. So every third hole, I would down a bottle of water, refill whatever I had in my current bottles. And this was a routine, especially at uh, Credit Island, which was a flat, burning frying pan of a course on the day we played it. And then I think we played middle after Credit Island. And there was a woman from California who was not prepared for the Iowa Mm -hmm. humidity and she had to be taken off the course. Yeah. So to prepare for something like that, you got to watch your food intake and you have to stay hydrated. And the third thing, and I know I'm not going to be very popular with a lot of golfers when I say this, is I didn't really go out and party after the rounds. Typically, we would come home or to the hotel, I would clean up, we'd get some food, and that would be it. I I would be in for the rest of the night. Um, There's like one or two times that we went out, there was like the meet the pros and play games night. We went and played that. It wasn't too demanding, but some of the other stuff like the water park night, I wasn't going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really a matter of making certain I was rested and yeah. and my muscles recovered for the next round. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right. So you throw MVP Axiom yes. and you yes. just recently got sponsored by them, yes. which is super awesome. I, know. I am a big MVP Axiom fan myself. <laughs> and those of us who throw their discs, you pretty much are. Yes, yeah. we, are we are true converts. Very, yeah. <laughs> so what initially got you excited about uh, MVP discs? Okay, well, this is actually a little embarrassing. Um, the first MVP discs I saw were obviously the Inertia, yeah. and some people got a wave that came in the yep. PDG registration. Yep. But really what intrigued me about them is when I would go to Dynamic Disc Kansas City and was just in awe of all the discs they had there. These were the ones that to my newbie eyes looked like sporting equipment. Mm. It wasn't until later when I started reading up on the gyroscopic principles of keeping as much weight in the outer rim as possible to uh, increase the stability in flight that I actually started falling in love with the design of them. But really what got me into them was the way they looked. Yeah. (laughs) I thought I thought I they were that. pretty sharp. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite disc or discs right now in your bag? Oh my goodness! I know that's I mean, like an picking, impossible picking question. Picking your babies, I know. picking your babies. <laughs> um, the one I'm probably going to go to the most, or in the situation, is a Crave. Um, it's yeah. a fairway driver. I usually throw it in either plasma or proton plastic, depending on how much uh, stability I want on it. But 
it's just slightly into the overstable section of the flight chart, which means for my arm speed, I can shape a lot of shots with it. it enough uh, power is going to hyzer flip. It'll hold the any line, but it'll also hold a hyzer line and it'll fly straight if I need it to. So if I have to pick one out of all of my babies, I'll probably say a Crave because it's the most versatile disc that I have at the moment. And, uh, you know, you talk to me next week, I'll probably say, no, it's actually the Tesla. Because right? I got like three different Teslas in my bag and I use them for different things. But no, I'm going to stick with the Crave. Awesome. Yeah, the Crave's a great disc. It's the only driver that my husband throws. He doesn't play nearly as avidly as I do, but I got him on onto the Crave and he's doing really well with it. Um, cool. So today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, advice for someone who's decided to play in their first tournament. Like you were talking about, you know, not everybody's going to want to play disc golf competitively and not everybody's going to want to play in tournaments. But what advice would you give someone who's decided to take the plunge and uh, play in their first tournament? I'm going to give you the most unfun advice I can possibly think of. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I do this online occasionally yeah. when a uh, when some uh, new women come to the sport and they say, hey, I'm about to play my first tournament. What do you recommend? And my first advice is read the rule book. Yeah. yeah and absolutely. I, I say this from personal experience because my first sanctioned event, I ended up taking at least two strokes of penalties that I was unaware of. Um, we had a situation where my disc was lost because nobody on my card watched where my throw was when I was throwing blind. So we're all just wandering around. Yeah. Eventually the timer expires and you have to play. Yep. And they're like, well, just throw from approximately where you think it was, where it came yeah. down. And, right, right. Uh, well, no, that's a misplay. Right. And I, had I have read the rule book, I would have known that I was supposed to re-tee from the previous lie because it was a lost disc and it didn't go OB. So um, do yourself a favor if you're a new player. Make certain you know the rules as best you can. Um, you know, and you don't have to be a certified official or anything like that, but know where you're supposed to put your feet, know how much time you're supposed to take, know what is considered a falling putt and, and things like that. So if you have someone on your card, the very first tournament you play, who calls you out on something, you're not surprised by it. Um, the other piece of advice, which pretty much every person is going to recommend a new player take is... Go to the bathroom before the round <laughs> right. starts. Yep. Trust us on this. Yep. <laughs> Trust us on this, especially if it is a long course with a lot of people playing and you find yourself coming in for lunch break four and a half hours after you start. You're going to be thankful you took the bathroom break before you started. Um, aside from that, uh, don't underestimate the need for water. Um, if you're playing in the summer, you absolutely need to carry enough water to last you the round. Most TDs are pretty good about putting water stations out. If they do, make certain you refill your water and make certain you drink it. It's not enough just to take it out there. I've known plenty of players, myself included once or twice, that had water the entire time, didn't drink it, and then I'm wondering the next day why I feel dehydrated. That's awesome. That's really, really good advice. Uh, is there a tournament this upcoming year that you're most excited to play? What are you looking forward to? Oh, what I want to play is uh, Maple Hill. Whether yeah. or not I will be able to get out there is a different story. But MVP I, I, this year. Yeah, the yep. MVP. <laughs> open. I, would, I would really like to play Maple Hill. I'm trying to arrange things awesome. to where I can get out there. But Massachusetts yeah. Pre yeah. is a pretty big ask yep. for Missouri. And yep. so I'm putting feelers out, seeing if there are any... Uh, friends that I can either share the ride with or share lodging with. Awesome. Um, ProMasters Worlds in Kansas City yeah. this year. I'm yeah. excited for that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I played Amworlds last year and it would be foolish of me not to at least play awesome. Pro Worlds just so yeah. I can potentially get to share a card with Des Redding or Elaine yeah. King or some of the other legends yeah, yeah, yeah. of our sport. And that awesome. would be, that would be really good. But um I always look forward to the glass blown open that's coming up in a couple of weeks and uh, excited for that. Cause again, Emporia embraces the sport like few other cities I've seen thus far. And so it, that's always going to be a good time. And it'll actually be my first uh, probably really big event, marquee event, I guess I should say as a sponsored player. Yeah. So as opposed to like a local C tier, which is still awesome, but 
getting to go to something like the Glassblown Open, um, being backed by MVP is amazing. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me today. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Good to be here. All right, we're back. And now we'll discuss a question from Facebook. And we'll be taking listener questions every week. But this is our first episode. So thank you for those uh, that gave us some questions and discussion topics on Facebook. We'll be getting to more of those here in upcoming episodes. But today's question is from Skipper, who asked some other questions and uh, a really good one about more co-ed PDGA sanctioned tournaments. Do we think that having more uh, co-ed tournaments would be good for getting more women to play? Hmm. Hmm. I know a lot of women get into disc golf through their significant others. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can see that kind of being a a comfort thing for some, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, I think it's an interesting concept. And as I think about it, I was the one who got my fiance playing, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. he was the one who took it to the next level and started playing competitively because I never thought I was good enough to do competition. And so I guess it all depends on if one or both partners like feel competitive and if like like me, yeah. he was the one who was feeling more competitive and he kind of brought me up to that and then my competitive spirit came out. Sure. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think, Crispian? Well, I have lots of thoughts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I played, I played, you know, we talked about this before um, the podcast, but I played mixed doubles with my husband at Worlds this year and had a great time. And I love playing doubles with my husband. Yeah. We've played doubles uh, yeah. against Liz and MK, um, you know. And I love playing with him too. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and I love playing, you know, I, I like playing with men, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I don't think that having more mixed doubles events in and of itself is the, like, answer, quote-unquote, to getting more women involved in disc golf. I mean, just like everything having to do with gender equality, gender politics, etc., there's, like, 19 reasons that are going to go along with it. And a lot of it has to do with the social undercurrent. The reality is, is that we have to be encouraging women and girls to you know, continue to involve themselves in sports and to not be maybe ashamed if they're more rough and tumble or, you know, women, the great thing about women right now is that we can be all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. We can be girly and we can be athletes and we can be all of these, you know, different things. And by saying that, okay, if we get more women involved playing with their boyfriends or spouses, I think that really, for lack of a better word, I feel like it really downplays just women as athletes period because it's by saying that Mm -hmm. they have to be or that that that's the only way and in reality i think what we're going to see and we've already seen this with our local women's global is we had 88 women last year we're expected to max out at 144 women two years later we already have 120 yep yeah we filled up in five days i mean and liz and i can both attest that 2014 when she and i were playing there was a few other women Anna, you know, Anna and I met at the gym, you know, and and, and then mm-hmm. we kind of all became friends through there. And we got Anna and, and Mel into the tournament. And I know Amanda and Dana, who played in my division, got in the tournament. But in reality, there were so many events in 2014 and 2015 that Liz and I were literally the only women playing. It's true. And mm-hmm. we were playing against each other. Yeah. Or there were times where we were playing with ourselves. I won, quote unquote, two tournaments yeah. last year against myself. Yeah, um, right. You know, so... Even though we're seeing more and more of it, I think it's just to continue to show women, like make it a comfortable environment for women. Women have a role in that, obviously, with women's events and women's leagues and things like that. But men have a role in that. And we know as women that men have a role in allying with us because they're going to have more clout with other men. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, the reality is it's just like in the outside world outside of disc golf is there are things that happen sometimes in the disc golf world and on the disc golf course that don't always make women comfortable with playing sure um that might be guys you know heckling them that might be catcalling that might be guy having guys hit on them while they're throwing that might be guys um interjecting with their suggestions when we really haven't indicated that we want them um there are a lot of things besides just getting more co-ed events i mean i think that's great but i don't think that should be the focus Mm mm-hmm 
So sorry for that lengthy answer, but I'm like, I'm a social worker. So of course I'm kind of going through like all the. Sure. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. I will say while we are on the topic, have you guys watched the Jomez uh, final nines that they're doing? They're really cool. So Jomez uh, has done these final nine events mm-hmm. where they get a bunch of local players and then whoever, I think how it works is whoever um, kind of finishes on that lead card gets filmed for the final nine, which is really cool. Mm. And they've been having like local commentators and it's awesome. So shout out to uh, Jomez. You guys are great. But here's my idea for you, Jomez. If you come to Kansas City, I think you should do a mixed doubles final nine and if you come to kansas city we will totally fill up your event with enough people doing mixed doubles and it will be dope <laughs> no doubt no yeah. doubt whatsoever and i don't mean and i and i know that you know this i don't mean to downplay like no, mixed doubles events but i think if we say that that's the answer i think that that's really yeah. like um compartmentalizing an issue that's so <laughs> much bigger well and to that point it is a big issue but you know if uh having some more mixed doubles tournament gets women kind playing. of helps mitigate some of those you know, issues that you mentioned of, of women feeling uncomfortable mm-hmm. if they have, you know, their significant other with them. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Let's do it all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm all for anything that's going to get women and girls playing. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe um, almost a, a comparable um, thing for that would be I, I really enjoyed watching, I think it was at the USWDGC, mm-hmm. they yes. televised the doubles yeah, and seeing like Val awesome. and Zoe in their mm-hmm. Wonder Woman costumes yes. yep. and like Madison was injured and she was playing <laughs> left-handed yeah, and she, so I think she made one of the final putts. So, <laughs> yeah. hey, and shout out to our friend... Anna Lefty Hare, who's been playing <laughs> left-handed for Chicken three wave. or four months, and because it's possible, and yeah, um, and then totally. Sandy Gast, mm-hmm. who I met at the 2016 Pro Worlds, and uh, she's awesome. Um, but um, I had a newer uh, doubles partner last year, a new player, and I think it can be kind of if there's a disparity between the partners which generally between um, um, a man and a woman, there is a disparity because they can throw so much farther. And to some extent that can be discouraging. Right. You feel like, well, what am I even here for? I can't throw that far, but you know what? Sometimes like with the big arms, they throw out of bounds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so my role is I throw a good, clean, safe shot and that gives him the green light to go for it. Right. And maybe he gets it close enough that we're putting. And then either I lay up close and then he goes for it. Or in the last time I played doubles, it wasn't even with MK. And for some reason that night, I was banging in putts from everywhere. Sure. I don't know why I can't put that way in normal tournaments. <laughs> but um, but for if you've got a newer player or someone who's yeah. not as secure, if you go out and you play a doubles round like that, um, I don't know that sanctioned tournaments are necessarily the environment for a new player, but just being able to go out and not have a round take three or four hours. Yeah. Because if there's one player on the card who can at least throw farther, and this is where yep. I think just having women's doubles yeah. be having more of those might yeah. help because if there's at least one person on the card who can throw a bit farther than someone doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm throwing and throwing. and Sure. Okay, now for a quick wrap-up of FBO action from our first two major events of the year. It's hard to believe that we're already past our first NT and our first Disc Golf Pro Tour events of the year. Um, so... Page doing page things <laughs> as per the use uh, kind of came out to a little bit of a rough start mm-hmm. at Vegas. Um, but then, uh, yeah, just did her thing and did awesome with a great attitude. It was super cool. Um, and yeah, shout out to you disc. Did you guys follow along during the Vegas tournament um, on you disc at all? It was really cool. Cause we had a local player here, uh, Kaylee Kincaid playing an FPO and it was mm-hmm. so cool to be able to follow um, her round live through watching uh, what was going on with UDisc. That was really, really cool. It was neat. Actually, I think we were, yeah, we were at a brewery just following along on UDisc. Hey, look what Kaylee's doing. Yeah. And, uh, 
If you are interested in helping out with UDISC, so they need a lot of volunteers to help do those stats and make everything awesome, uh, you can email them uh, team at udisc.com if you're interested in volunteering for those people here local, for those going down to GBO, they are going to be at GBO um, doing stats for FPO and MPO. So definitely uh, reach out to them if they're interested. Um, they were saying, you know, it's the best seat in the house because you get to be on these cool cards Super and watch fun. the pro uh, action. So definitely check that out. Um, as far as other stuff uh, from the first couple tournaments, uh, it was definitely cool to see uh, Sai Ananda and Kona do really mm-hmm. well. We've yeah. got some yeah. youngsters doing some things. Um, and watching the coverage uh, from Jomez, that was really cool. Um, I continue to be impressed by Jessica Weiss. Yeah. Uh, her I was f- saying that yeah. last night when we were watching her. Yeah. Yeah. Like having um, both that forehand and backhand that she has now is super cool. Um, I expect her to do really awesome things. Um, Lisa Fakus always stands out <sighs> to me too. Like her. She is just bang, bang, bang. <laughs> yeah. And I liked hearing her on the mic. I liked hearing, uh, kind of her thoughts about things, uh, on the Jomez coverage. I like that she talks to discs cause I talk to discs <laughs> too. <laughs> so do I. It's like, I just some discs. Yeah. <laughs> so do I. Uh, cool. Any other thoughts about FPO action so far this year? I know. I, I really enjoyed the Las Vegas challenge, having Mm -hmm. the FPO round footage come up around the same time as the MPO coverage. And so I've been watching for it. And especially because I was going to be doing this tonight, I wanted to be able to see all of the, the competition that happened and, all we have is there's like a four hour round that right. starts with 40 minutes of commercials and until we actually get to start watching. And then you have to just keep going through until you can find a minute and a half of watching some of the lead ladies play. So yeah. I, it, I really do prefer it when they've got separate women's coverage I, I appreciate being able to see it live during the yeah. day. Um, so I appreciate them splicing it in, but I wish we had the edited footage now. Yeah, I think we got super spoiled having the Jomez coverage Yay, for the first time of the year. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I'm, I'm kind of just expecting it now. But to it. Absolutely. And, and Jomo's, you know, they posted this on Facebook, you know, if you want more women's coverage vote with your with your watches. And that's really what it comes down to is mm-hmm. that as we get more eyes on it, um, that is going to help. And it, it really just comes down to what is financially feasible and what um, is manpower feasible. And you know, I think okay. what they're going to have to understand is that like live videos for women aren't always going to get watched live. Mm-hmm. Like the, because in reality, oh. and I've discussed this too, women have bigger roles in their families. Sometimes women sure. have oh. their, their women tend to take, but on to a lot your of point, roles. I have some very exciting news. So UDISC has um, a chat room now. It's awesome. And I was chatting uh, with UDISC Josh in there and he's actually going to hook us up next week with some data on the eyes that they had on the FPO uh, UDISC app. And I think that'll be really telling and really helpful because he said it was pretty big. Um, And I think that there are more people paying attention at that time of day than maybe we even realize. So again, you know, there's room for growth in all sides. And we we keep pushing for that for sure. Well, and if we don't, if we don't, I'm sorry, if we don't talk about it, though, I mean, that's the great thing is like, if we don't have forums where people can talk about it, Mm -hmm then people are just going to continue to do what they've always done because that's how human beings are. (laughs) Because I'm actually not even sure what you're talking about. The only coverage I was aware that I could watch during the ladies' during while the ladies were playing, actually, I don't know of anything that I could have watched while the ladies were were playing. We're not, like... Um, as far as UDISC is concerned, we're not talking about watching them actually play. We're just talking about people watching the stats. So like for someone like me, um, mm-hmm. I work afternoons and evenings. So right. I had UDISC up on both my phone and my laptop, mm-hmm. basically following along live as they're playing, you okay. know, who's on the fairway, who's shooting, you know, for birdie from circle one, gotcha. et cetera, et cetera. Yes. So I have all that information for me. While I'm not actually like watching them play live, I could still more or less follow along ah. in a very real time way, um, which is cool because again, that's mm-hmm. compelling. And again, you know, 
hats off to you disc for kind of paying attention just for what we asked for on reddit of starting a chat room so i'm talking with other disc golfers uh who are some of them are on the ground there about the fpo action that's going on and i can also follow the stats in real time so it's it's cool you know and again it's not it's not live coverage and everything else Um, but you're still paying attention but we're still paying attention we did do some of that so well and so are they going to be then looking at people who and you may not know this but are they Mm going to be looking at people who go back and view the stats like people like me i work a job where i can't exactly stop what i'm doing and i think (laughs) probably so far what i've learned about udisc is they're really 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 good at their jobs they're very very I'm good sure. at technology um and they're data nerds like me so i think there's a really good opportunity sure. for us not only to you know have that opportunity to follow along but to also just collect some hard data that we yeah. maybe haven't had because really again that's what it comes down to are what are the views that we can go to you know sponsors outside of disc golf with as well uh to get more money in the sport to enable us to do more things. Do we need but. to log in? Do we need nope, to? Nope. You like, literally, just... if you just go to udisclive.com, uh, it's there. Whatever the current tournament is will just pop up. Um, and it's it's pretty user-friendly. It's really cool. All right. I think we've made it, ladies. That is our show. Do y'all have any shout-outs before we get out of here? Shout-out to, let's see, Rhonda Crosby, the Kansas City Disc Golf Divas, mm-hmm. and... Launchpad Disc Golf, all the awesome women that have helped me get better at disc golf and love it. I like it. Any shout outs, Crispian? Um, well, I uh, shout out to you. I appreciate you doing this. Oh, and um, word. makes me very excited. Um, and um, shout out Bye. to my husband, Matt Jenkins. Woohoo. And um, really, you know, Kansas City Disc Golf Divas, um, I'm pretty invested in it at this point. So, yeah. I like it. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. I'd like to thank again Liz, Crispian, and Kim for being on the podcast today. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate if you would subscribe and take the time to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you are listening on. You can find us on Facebook or email us your questions and comments to ladiesofthechains at gmail.com. We'll be back with our next episode in a couple of weeks. Shout out to the Gyro Queen Facebook group. Hope everyone can get out there and play some disc golf. And we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks.